Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. It's uh, been an interesting week, hasn't it? It's been an anxious week. An anxious week, if uh, that's the mood that any of our life has felt. And your life, I guess we just call it as it is today. Um, there's a latent anxiety amongst many people, not just Christians, but many people around the world as we see the unfolding of uh, the coronavirus pandemic happening. And I've got to say, in the midst of all of that anxiety, um, yet again, I've just been so encouraged by God that we're here talking about a passage like this. Uh, If you've been with us, you know that we're not supposed to be preaching on this. Now, this is supposed to be like point three of the ministry team's clever strategic plans on what we're doing as a church this year. And uh, if you haven't been with us, we ditched all of that because we felt uh, God leading that we wanted to learn from him what it meant to be in his presence, corporately and individually. And so I've just been so encouraged just by the fact that we are talking about this this morning. And then not only that, that God would bring us this passage that we've just heard for such a week as this. I just think if there's anything we take away from this, we get the clear sense that God is moving amongst us when he brings us this passage. Because ironically for me, uh, as, as we talked this morning about what it means to experience God corporately, and we've talked about God's yearning, uh, we've talked about wrestling with God, but this morning we're going to talk about uh, what it is to have a corporate experience of God's presence. Um, ironically, when I come to scriptures like this, my expectation as to what that would be totally changes. And I don't know about you, but when I thought that I was going to preach on this passage, I thought this passage was all going to be about how if we're to have a corporate experience of God's presence as a church, uh, that, that really what, what that would look like is something out of a, of a tele-evangelist crusade. You know those sorts of pictures? I thought the corporate experience of God by the Holy Spirit is something like a, a Benny Hinn, if you know that guy. You know, I'd bring my jacket up here and I'd just wave it around the auditorium and people would be on the floor and there'd be all sorts of amazing supernatural manifestations and all sorts of crazy stuff happening and, and that we would pray for that and that would happen fervently. And yet what we see when it comes to the environment of one of the most uh, fundamental corporate experiences of God that we ever see in the Bible, what we see is a situation that's not much different than what we have today. (laughs) And we see a church that's not sure what church is going to look like for them moving forward, right? In fact, um, what you have in Acts 3, 4 and 5, so we're right in the middle of that section, is you have a great persecution that's broken out against the church. And you see uh, the people of God praying for an experience of God. And the result of that is an incredible boldness. Not a manifestation, no swinging jackets, boldness, courage, fearlessness. In fact, um, it was was a historical fact that, that it's because of this boldness that it's the whole reason why Christianity swept through the Roman countryside. That's the whole reason why we're here today. It's because those apostles and those first Christians like us with the same resources that we have, story of Jesus, word of God, were incredibly bold and courageous. Now the question is, where did did they get that ability? How did they do that? The the reality is they had an unshakability about them. There was something that God did within them that made them totally unshakable. Now here's the irony. Isn't that exactly what you and I are yearning for this morning? Isn't that what we're praying for? Isn't that what we're hoping for? That in a shaking world, God would make us unshakable. 
And that, that this morning is the promise of what we're going to see in this scripture this morning. It answers the question, how do I get an unshakable life? <laughs> because we see here a boldness in these, these first Christians through the same resources that we've got available to us this morning, that they, they had a courage about them that allowed them to cut through their circumstances like a hot knife cuts through butter. It's phenomenal what happens. Now, the paradox of the way that all of that is going to happen is the scenario that we're in this week and that we face, church. That the paradox of being unshakable is first and foremost, they had to be shaken by a shaking world. Then they had to be shaken by God. And only when they'd been shaken by God did they shake up the world around them. That's where we're going to go this morning. You cool with that? First and foremost, they were shaken by the world. And I get encouragement for this because the Bible's so real. They understand the nervousness and the anxiety that many of us are all feeling. Verse 23, it says that Peter and John went back. Now, where, where are they coming back from? Uh, they, they've come back um, from a grilling in, in front of the Sanhedrin, like an like a upper Senate inquiry into what's been happening uh, the, the political powers of the day have grilled them because they've healed a man and the guy's standing right next to them so they can't deny the evidence. <laughs> this crippled guy is there they've, and they're grilling them, how do you do this? And they boldly speak out, well, basically the guy that you killed, Jesus did it. So <laughs> not our fault, it's his and it's yours. And then, and then they go back, it says, to their own people and reported all that these chief priests and elders had said to them. What did they say? And it's mentioned in verse 9. It, it, it's, it's mentioned that they said, now, Lord, consider their threats. In other words, they were threatened. The powers had said, you know, you could lose your homes. You could, you could lose your possessions. You could lose your livelihood. You could lose your reputations. In, in other words, for them, the world was shaking. There was an earthquake. And, and what, you know, what, is, what is an earthquake? An earthquake is, is when ground that you think is so incredibly solid and unmovable becomes movable. And so as a result, you become immobile and paralysed. And for, for them, the ground underneath them, the, the very things, their wealth, their freedom, their love, their life, all of these things started moving. And as a result, they were petrified and they were immobilised. Now, isn't that exactly, that exactly the sort of shakes that we're feeling this week? <laughs> isn't, isn't this what we're feeling? Isn't this what we're seeing in the world around us? I, the, obvious, the, obvious, the obvious demonstration of that is um, what I call the toilet paper index. It's, it's just something that will not be forgotten in the psyche of our children for generations to come, right? It's not going to be forgotten in me. I don't know about you, but have you had this experience? Like I was at the shops the other day and, and I felt like I had to justify myself going back out through the checkout saying, I genuinely had to buy this. <laughs> we genuinely run out. <laughs> the toilet paper index. What, you know, what is all of that? Everyone's given their commentary on all of this. Here's, here's, my, here's my commentary on what the toilet paper index is. Why, why are we like this? You know, could it be that the toilet paper index is the manifestation of a deep problem that we're always trying to deny, Christian and non-Christian? And that problem that we know deep in our hearts is whether we realise it or not, we're trying to stop the world from shaking. <laughs> so we buy toilet paper. <laughs> you know, toilet paper is going to make the world feel like it's solid again. You know, why, why are we doing that? Because the earth shook, because the world's shaking. 
because there are 50 metre queues at Woolworths and we're worried that the things that we thought were so solid in our lives, buying food, buying grocery, all of these things, society starts to disrupt, footies shutting down, F1 shut down, all these things that we're so used to suddenly stops and we've had an earthquake. The world is shaking around us and the things that we're standing on we finally realise or have no choice but to realise are terribly fragile. And that in no doubt causes the anxiety that no doubt this early church felt. But then this is why their prayer is genius. They have a genius response to all of this. And their prayer is genius. And if you look at it carefully, it's an incredible and a marvellous prayer because it understood, their prayer shows that they understood why they were shaken. They understood that their problem was not the civil authorities, their problem was life itself. That it's, it's the nature of the world itself, that it's fragile. Look at what they pray for in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So quiz class, what else did they pray for? What else did they pray for? Want to know the answer? Nothing. They, they didn't pray for anything else. What do they pray? Lord, just give us boldness. Give us boldness. They didn't pray, Lord, I'll protect our livelihoods. They, they didn't pray, Lord, protect our kids. They didn't pray, Lord, protect our families. They didn't pray, Lord, protect our church. And they, they didn't pray, Lord, pr- pr- just bring us a good government that's not going to persecute us. In other words, they never prayed for their circumstances. They prayed to be the sort of people that would thrive in their circumstances. See that? And, and that, that is the genius of their prayer. The genius of their prayer is that they didn't say, Lord, fix our circumstances. Instead, they said, Lord, fix us. So we're the sort of people that can handle our circumstances. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with praying for circumstances. You'll see in a couple of chapters later in the book of Acts that Peter's in jail and they pray for his circumstances and the angel breaks him out. And So I'm not saying that it's bad to pray for your circumstances, but can you see the genius of the prayer of the early church? Make us bold. Fix us. And so I'd suggest to you that's, that's your choice this morning. That's what's before you, before you this morning. You know, are you going to be panicked or prayerful? Is it going to be toilet paper? Or is it going to be God's word? Then there's the answer to the praying. God's answer to the prayer. And it's a different answer. And, and look, we've, we've, we've got to be conscious here that we, 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 have a, we have a certain lens in the way that we view church. You know, I think one of the great opportunities that these next few weeks and months or however long this takes is that I think our circumstances are going to shake our normal glasses of the way that we view church right off our face. Wouldn't you agree? It's part of why I don't want to sound flippant about this, but there's something within my soul as anxious as I am about this whole scenario that I'm excited about what, this whole shaking of the world is going to do for our church. In fact, for the church of Jesus Christ. 
Because I'll speak for myself here, but I know that my number one problem is that most Sundays I wake up with my glasses at church thinking, I've got to preach a sermon. I wonder if the worship team's rostered on and I wonder if people are going to get slightly inspired today. And I think the wonderful opportunity before us is that, that, that the world is shaking in such a way um, that these glasses are going to be shaken off our face. And that's what happened to the early church here. And God answers their prayer in the most remarkable of ways. Not only was their world shaking, but then God shakes them. God shakes them. And the, the whole central fact of the church, if you want to know what the church is about in verse 31 here, it says, after they prayed, the place where they're meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, you know, it was this passage that I thought, yeah, this is the one where we're going to look like it's revival in here. You know, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And and we're going to they're going to be amazing manifestations, and this is what it's all about. You know, no, what what is his God's answer? He he shakes them. The meeting was shaken. Which on one hand, we could think that's what it means. Until we get a manifestation of God that shakes the foundation of this church, then God hasn't turned up. Now, we can pray for that level of manifestation. But here's my question for you. Is that what Sydney really needs from Northside Church today? Do they need a bunch of like miraculous manifestation? I'm not saying that that can't happen, but... But what, what do they really need from us today? God's answer to his church was it wasn't he was shaking the building. He shook them. It says he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this context didn't mean these crazy, miraculous, supernatural manifestations. Here's what it means simply. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is that moment where God's reality was so real and so powerful that it became their reality. You hear that? That the, the, the job of the Holy Spirit was to take God's reality and to get in their face and make it their reality. If you've had kids, you understand how this works with presents. Like when I'm with my kids, just about every car trip, there's fighting in the back of the car. I'm normally driving around and, you know, hey, stop that, stop that, stop that. You know, and as a parent, right, you know, what do you do if you say stop that a few times? You go, if you don't do that, I, and then that's it. The blinker goes on. You pull across, you, you, pull, you pull your seatbelt out and you, you turn to them and says, if you don't stop that now, you know, notice that moment. If you, if you really want to get kids to do what you want them to do as a parent, what do you do? You get right in their face. In, in their face, panim, remember from last week, presence. The word presence, panim, meant face. You get face to face. You get presence to presence. So in that moment, my reality is so big and so daunting that they've got no choice that, but that my reality becomes their reality. You see how it works? And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, God was getting in their face. And his reality became their reality. Uh, Kurt Thompson, who was a guest speaker here, a Christian psychologist, said, what gets your attention gets you. And so here's my, my question for you this morning. You know, in, in the last week, proportionally, if this was a sliding scale, you know, not the 100 proportionally, you know, how much time for you has been spent focusing on the news versus focusing on the word of God, his reality? Because what gets your attention gets you. And the more that we focus on over here, isn't, isn't that where anxiety lives? Isn't that where uncertainty lives? Isn't that where the shaking lives? 
you know, I can't, I can't tell you already like how much God has ministered to me just through those simple disciplines I've been telling you about my own life of, of the soap journaling of a morning and prayerful gratitude at night. Every night, it's been my decision to not end my day on the news app on my iPhone, but in the book of Hebrews. Just go pick the book of Hebrews and see what that does to your soul. I've got a word I want to share with you out of that as we finish this morning. But to choose to finish my day where his reality overwhelms my reality. He shakes them. And I call that a, a soul quake. You know, they had, a, they had a soul quake. And here's what happens when you do that. When God shakes you like that and his reality is, is bigger than your reality, his, it, it's, not, it's not smooth. It's not comfortable. It's a soul quake. And here's what God does. And here's what I think is happening for you and I. If you haven't already done that this, this week, I think the tension that we're all feeling is this dynamic, is that we're getting nervous about our things and our stuff, right? And, and what is happening is as the world is shaking, as God is shaking us, he's starting to shake off the things in our lives that from an eternal perspective truly don't matter. And I know that that is scary and that is what is making us nervous. But this is the beauty of the way that God is ministering to us, is he's revealing to us that the things we think are solid and the things that we think are eternal are really shaky. And he's shaking the stuff off. In fact, Hebrews 12 puts it like this way. It says, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may Remain. And that's what it looks like, right? It's that dynamic where, where all other things around the world compared to God's power in our life realise that all, all other power just looks like pop guns. <laughs> where all, everything else in the world compared to God's love just looks pale and insignificant. And so, so my question for you is, have you, have you or are you, are you in the middle of a soul quake? And what do you think those people like Moses and David and all those heroes of the faith, the Christian martyrs, all the people throughout history, you know, how, how is it that those people all end up, most of them end up dying for their faith? You know, how, how do we deal with the reality that most of us probably think in our own lives, I'm not sure if I've got the resources or the courage to live a life like that. And yet, and yet I'm, I'm seeing a world that's shifting and changing and not, not, look, not looking that much different from the world they were living in. You know, how did they do that? They had a soul quake. And, and, and a soul quake is that, that moment where the shaking world around them and God's shaking caused them to move into that situation where they were forced in their moments of loneliness to say, God, you know what, these things and this stuff and this comfort, you know what, it's nice, but it, it's, it's nothing compared to you. And as David said, you know, your love is better than life. It's nothing on you. It's the moment in which God as conceptual became God as personal. It's that moment where their minds descended into their hearts. Has that happened for you? Is it happening for you? Yeah, I think that's part of, part of, a midst of in the midst of all of what we're facing. That's the great opportunity that we've got ahead of us. That we can be real about these things perhaps in a way that we never have before. A soul quake. 
And so when corporately then people all get, all, get this soul quake, then, then one wonders, well, you know, what, what happens? How, how do you get that? How, how, how do I have that experience? What happens to us cor- corporately? And, and the people of the church, early church experienced this. And in verse 33 to 37, you see a lot of interesting results as to what happens in the church when they have their soul quake. But it really boils down to two things in verse 33. And look at what happens to the church when God's corporate experience turns up by the power of the Holy Spirit. It then says, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work within them all. That's the result of the shaking. That... that God's grace was powerfully at work in them all. Two things happened to the church in the midst of this shaking of the world and the persecution. Power and grace. Power and grace. <laughs> it's like the nuclear fuel rods for the church. The first one was God's, God's power shows up. They were bold, they were courageous, they were fearless. But wonderfully as well, and this is the opportunity for us, grace happens, ministry happens. In fact, if you go and read through, I'm, this is a whole other sermon, but the whole irony of this is I, I picked this passage out not understanding this context that we're preaching on this morning. But what happens to the church after they have this incredible experience of God? You know what happens? They get incredibly generous. It, it, it says that the believers sold everything that they had and they shared their possessions with one another so that they had everything that they needed. And then ministry, God's grace was so powerfully at work within them all that there was no needy persons amongst them. You know, this is a whole other sermon on generosity out of all of this. The reason why they're generous is, 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 is not because they've been guilted or shamed into it. It was because they were fearless. Their generosity was a function of the soul quake where they had done the work of going, this stuff means nothing in terms of an eternal perspective. So let's just, let's just go all in. For God, and that was the very paradox that exploded the church into history and where it is today. Power and grace, power and grace. And church, I believe this is the opportunity that's ahead of us as a church. It's why why I start to get excited, as nervous as I am, about what is ahead of us because there is every opportunity that based on the resources that these guys had and we have in God and the Holy Spirit, we would, Northside, would be a church of power and grace. It means that as, as our ministry team meet tomorrow with the elders and, and we think about what form church is going to look like for the next couple of weeks or months or whatever it would take, these will be the defining DNA around what we're about. Is there power and is there grace in this? Is there power? Is there ministry in all of this? I think God is going to do something amazing in all of this. But you know how the only way that this is going to happen, you know how it happened for them? You ready for this? They didn't form a committee. They didn't gather a big leadership team. They prayed. They prayed. And this is the part, you, you know how I preach, this is the part where I, I have the three application points for you. And part of the problem was I went to this passage and I was looking for the, my usual three applications point and the problem is there aren't three. There's just one. I looked at it and the whole point of this passage was that they prayed and then I looked at it closer and it was that they prayed and then I looked even more closer and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. <laughs> it's the only application point. I thought there's only one point. They didn't form a committee, they prayed. And that prayer is completely unselfish. So given that we haven't got three points, I figure we've got the time this morning where you're going to be able to do a bit of your homework before you go home. In fact, 
I want to open this space up to us now to say if anything comes out of this message this morning, it was to lead us to this point. (laughs) To recognise that the power that we need and what we need to be doing to experience the presence of God is not listen to another message this morning. It's to pray. Right? And the reason that we should turn up this morning is to seek God and pray. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, don't fix our circumstances, fix us. We pray for your church. We pray for the opportunity that is ahead of us. Guide us, Heavenly Father, individually and corporately, as we seek to make your presence known into a world full of anxiety and uncertainty at the moment. Do something supernaturally amongst each and every one of us, Heavenly Father. Strength that wasn't there before. Courage that we didn't think we had. Fearlessness that emerges. Father, we declare you to be our great God. The maker of the heavens and the earth. The one who is in control of all things. We declare you to be the God who wants to make your son, Jesus Christ, known in this world. And Father, we would ask that if this is part of your unfolding plan, or if it, if it isn't, Heavenly Father, that you would use us in this circumstance to be vessels and vehicles for hope, but ultimately pointers to your son with grace and power. Father, we pray for boldness. In your mighty name, amen. Well, as we finish this morning, you can edit that out of the podcast, mate. That's all. <laughs> um, I believe we're at a threshold. We're at a threshold where I believe church could look entirely different, not just practically, but spiritually in a wonderful way. It could look very different from how we've ever known it to be. People say, well, what are we going to do? There's aspects of like, well, I do know what we're going to do and I don't know what we're going to do. And I feel pretty comfortable in not knowing what we're going to do because Jesus is Lord and, and his Holy Spirit is here with us to guide us through whatever that might represent. I'm, I, I believe that we're at the threshold of, of finally for the first time, how many different times have we talked about being salt and light, fireflies, wiki church, the gathered and the scattered church. I mean, we could get no better case study than in the coming weeks to live out everything that we've been preaching about for the past five to six years. I've got every confidence that the church of Jesus Christ will continue to go forward, not just our church, but the church, because Jesus himself said the gates of hell won't overcome it. So a virus is not going to overcome it. In fact, I've been processing about what we might talk on in the weeks to come, but when you look at the church in Acts chapter 8, it says a great persecution broke out against the church. The believers were scattered everywhere and they preached the gospel wherever they went and as a result, there was great joy in the city. You know, I think the threshold that we're on, church, is that if, if you're anything like me, there is something deep within our hearts that has been praying for a revival in this city. I just think the challenge for me personally is I never quite understood what means that God would bring it about. And in fact, I always wanted revival in the Benny Hinn style, Pentecostal wild manifestations of the Spirit. You know why? Because that just feels a little bit more comfortable and exciting than what we're facing. But last time I checked, our Lord said, you know, in this world you'll have trouble, but cheer up, I've overcome the world. (laughs) And so we're at a threshold 
We're a threshold of our church being church in a way that we never have before, but it's going to take one thing, and we see this in this passage as we finish this morning. And it's this, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother sermon, but, but whenever you saw the manifestation, the manifestation of God and his presence in the Old Testament, it always followed a sacrifice. You know, you would sacrifice a dove or you'd sacrifice a sheep or you'd sacrifice an oxen. And the principle generally was the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger the manifestation of God. And so here's God turning up to the early church. Where's the sacrifice? Where's, where's the oxen? You know the reality? They were the sacrifice. It was the mindset of the early apostles and the early Christians that got so shaken by God to a point that they said, look, at the end of the day, God, we trust you. And in obedience, we do whatever it will take to follow you into wherever you will take us. And they were the living sacrifice. It's what Paul was talking talking about, to live as living sacrifices. And so what it means for us is you're your church. I'm part of your church. We, We are our church. And if, if, we want, if we want God to come down on the big altar here, if we want a big manifestation of the presence of God corporately, if we want to experience him corporately, um, if he's going to come down on the big altar, then he's got to come down on the small altar of our lives. <laughs> That's going to mean for each and every one of us a mindset that says, Lord, I choose to follow you in, what, in wherever you will take us and whatever this will look like. That's been my prayer personally this morning. But I want to encourage you that there is, it is possible that we become in new and beautiful and wonderful and supernatural ways a church of power and of grace. That ministry won't stop. That the word won't stop. That we will continue to be his church in the middle of an anxious time. And let me remind you this morning of his reality straight from his word. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And my prayer for each and every one of you over the weekend has been this. That God might enable you to see that we can't lose anything that's worth keeping when we give ourselves totally to him. We can't lose anything that's worth keeping when we give ourselves totally to him. So as we get shaken by the circumstances that are ahead of us, may we know that he is with us and there is a possibility for generosity. There is a possibility for ministry. There is a possibility for power and for grace and for God's presence amongst us and for us to be present amongst an anxious world. Let me leave you with these words because I'm not that clever. I'm not more clever than the Bible. But allow this to speak to your heart this morning. Hebrews 12 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Do not throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. But we're not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Father, make us bold. 
Don't fix the circumstances. Fix us. In Jesus' name, amen. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au today.